daddy gonna stay in school and, and graduate. You're gonna die, Klaus! You can do it! Captain Insano shows no mercy. You can do it! I love my mama very much. Now you know that. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Hello, and welcome to The Sander Pit, the podcast that asks all the big questions, like, where is Saskatchewan? Where's Saskatchewan? Is that uh, from Billy Madison? It's not. Uh, I don't know. What's it's from, from the Pit classic, Grown Ups. Remember the man with the little squeaky voice? I'm from Saskatchewan! <laughs> and then they all say, where is it? Somewhere in Canada, apparently. Okay. There I, you go. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything. Uh, this podcast is like that Anthony Hopkins film, The Father. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if you're, I'm Anthony Hopkins and you're just like some... You probably don't even fucking exist. You're probably my daughter. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Welcome to all our new listeners, all of these rock fans. I'm Luke, this is Luke, and this is The Sandler Pit, a podcast where we watch and talk about every single Adam Sandler film or TV show or appearance or animated feature or cameo appearance where he'd probably be in it for a few seconds. What are we looking at this week, Luke? Well, this week we are diving into the rock pool to watch (laughs) Top 5, starring Chris Rock and Rosario Dawson, who we've seen quite recently in Zookeeper. Yeah, she was a highlight in Zookeeper. Um, she was all right in it, wasn't she? And I feel like Chris Rock's a kind of handsome guy. <laughs> no, I got, I got, I got. Wait, yeah. that sounds horrible to Kevin James. That sounds horrible. It was kind of the fact that it was a kids' film, though, and she was this really one-note written character that was like hopelessly in love with Kevin James, who was also <laughs> in a relationship with another woman who was like really nice looking and whatever. It was all a little bit unrealistic. Whereas this isn't a pursuit of relationship type film from the sounds of things. They're already engaged in a relationship. So it's not it's not that sort of like trying to charm a woman, you know. These two are already in a, in a relationship. So I feel like it might feel a bit more of a natural type thing rather than a, a forced love plot in a yeah. talking animal film <laughs> with Kevin so, James. So it does say this is a comedy film, but it also says it's kind of, uh, it's had comparisons to the film Stardust memories is kind of introspective and the critics have given it kind of quite good reviews so yeah i don't know what i thought this was looking at the poster but i didn't think it'd be anything like i thought it'd just be like another shit comedy but yeah, yeah it's meant to be quite good it's, it sounds all right to be fair the setup sounds quite funny that it's the guy who's going to have his wedding broadcast on tv i don't mind the setup for that i can imagine he's going to be really reluctant to do it kind of like i'm hoping that he's more of an interesting character than he was in the week of that we watched not too long ago as kirby i think he yeah. should hopefully be a bit better in this yeah what do you think of chris rock as a, a leading man we've seen him a few times as side characters but the only time we've really had him as a solid main was the week off yeah and that was rubbish wasn't it i don't know because i do always find him quite funny even if the like the content isn't great he's always a bit more i find him pretty likable and i could picture him more as a a lead than some of the other ones that we've been a bit like um negative on for the most part i don't know I think he could be okay as a lead actor. But yeah, yeah we've not really seen him get a good chance to, to show it, have we, so far? Yeah, have you seen Spiral from the Book of Saw? I've not seen Spiral from the Book of Saw. Have you seen Spiral from the Book of Saw? Yeah. <laughs> it was the first film I watched when the cinemas reopened. What a shit like, oh, God. time. It's kind of like a bit of a, a lame script. It's a bit of a lame, like... Was nervous. it like a rip-off of Seven? Yeah, it's a rip-off of Seven. But he's quite good in it, and he's a good dramatic lead in it. 
I thought. Mm. So that's kind of making me think, yeah, seeing him a bit out of his comfort zone or doing something a little bit different, I think would be quite good. Yeah. Where I've seen him kind of, he looks like he's having a bit of a reconnaissance, but not in the best way. You know how that happened with <laughs> Matthew McConaughey? He was in good stuff though, whereas like Chris Rock is doing different things. And I think his performances haven't been criticised or anything, but he was in like Fargo recently, but people saying it's not the best series of Fargo. And then he was in that sort of film and people saying it wasn't quite as good as, as it could have been and whatever, which is a shame. But like, it's good to see him moving away from just fart jokes and stuff. And hopefully this will be more of that. Do you find though that a lot of these comedy actors now, because it feels like comedy as a vehicle, as a genre, isn't doing as well as it used to just a straight they usually blend it with other genres i think we've discussed that before mm-hmm. but you look at like owen wilson was a comedy lead in the early 2000s like wedding crashes starsky and hutch or whatever now he's a side character in a marvel time travel show you've got vince vaughn used to be another comedy lead in dodgeball and wedding crashes again and now he's a serial killer then in a remake of the hot chick in freaky in the new film and he's also in isn't he in fargo as well or or True, True Detective or something True like Detective that. he was in, yeah. Yeah. But then you've got Chris Rock that's doing the same, Adam Sandler, Uncut Gems. There's a lot of these actors are coming back now, but kind of doing things that they're not as used to, I'd say. Yeah, maybe. I think comedy's thriving on TV or like streaming services and whatever. That's where it seems like the best like comedy is at the moment. You know, like Ted Lasso is a big one recently and a few other things like that. But um, I think a lot of these actors, I mean, could you ever imagine Adam Sandler doing a constant TV thing? He probably wouldn't, would he? No, and I I think that's a shame. Like, I feel like he is the type of performer that would benefit from that. Yeah, I think so too. I think now would be the time to do it as well with these big bloody Netflix deals. He could probably do something pretty good. But there's a few people in this that I quite like. Kevin Hart's in it, apparently. I know you love him. I do like him. Cedric the Entertainer. That should be entertaining. Didn't he he die a couple of years ago? Am I making that up? I think he might be making Oh, no, he's, he's not fucking dead. I'm sorry. I don't think he did. I think his career might have. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been in anything for a while, but I don't think he's dead. I think it's going to make a nice change to see a film that's full of like black actors and stuff, because usually we're more expecting to see Rob Schneider making jokes that are racist. So it'll be nice to step away from that. It's yeah, that's true. And it does seem like it's got a lot of different people appearing i don't know what it's going to be about but the fact that it's like saying that he's a recovering alcoholic and i don't know i feel like this could be something quite good or maybe it'll be very shit but who knows yeah. jb smooth's in it as well i quite like him he's one of the teachers in the spider-man films as always we're going to have something called our sandler scale but this time we're going to call it our what i think our rock chart our rock chart <laughs> which goes over all the classic chris rock tropes well, we have our Sandler scale, which goes over all our Sandler tropes. We're going to repurpose it to kind of look at things that Chris Rock might do. Like, will there be a lot of poo in this film? I don't think Chris of... Rock deals in poo, do you? He doesn't deal with poo. He's a, he's a classier entertainer than that. Is it going to have product placement? Yeah. He didn't mind doing that in fucking the week of. Yeah, I think some product placement on the for big sure. Table. Is it going to have women in bikinis? Is it going to have misogyny? Yeah. Remember have... how much of a ladies' man he was in uh, the week of? He was oh, like God, licking yeah, a woman's feet on the piano or something, wasn't he, at one point? Oh, yeah. He were horrible in that film. So, yeah, we're going to put these in a bingo sheet. You can look at our bingo sheet on our Instagram page at the Sandlipit. Do you want to know one last thing about this film that's interesting before we go and watch it? Yeah. Do you remember 
Actually, funny enough, do you remember last week we had David Williams was in the film Murder Mystery? Do you remember his character when he was Dennis Waterman on Little Britain when he used to say um, he wanted to write the theme tune, sing the theme tune? Chris Rock has done that in this film. He directs, writes and stars, sings the theme tune, writes the theme tune. He's doing it all. Fuck off, he sings the theme tune. <laughs> no, he's not singing the theme tune. Oh, what's the point? <laughs> he is He's directing, writing and starring in it, which is, it can sometimes be good but it can also sometimes be a bit overcooked. I think the last time we had that was it. Did Bobcat Goldthwait do all of, all of that for Shakes the Clown? Yeah, the less we say about that, Look how that the better. <laughs> First bit of trivia on this is that he wrote the screenplay in his trailer during the filming of Grown Ups 2. <laughs> so he might have been dressed as Prince while he was drawing it, writing it up. <laughs> <laughs> Can oh. you imagine, like, you've just filmed David Spade rolling down the hill in a huge tyre and then getting stopped by Shaq's stomach, and then he goes and writes <laughs> his little rom-com film in his trailer. In a little typewriter. <laughs> Rating the best thing. It's been described as the best thing he's ever done in his career. Oh, well, there you go. That's big hype. I'm I'm interested to see what it's going to be like and whether it will end up in our Sandler castle or not. Yeah, me, me too. All right, so grab your tuxedo and grab your... Uh... Whatever the fuck this fu- is going to happen in this film, because we're going to go watch <laughs> Top 5. See you soon. You are now listening to The Sandler Pit. Yo, look what the cat dragged in! Hey, everybody! And we are back. We've discussed our Top 5 with Chris Rock and his family. <laughs> and now we're here to What's talk about What's your Top 5? It. Top 5 what? Uh, fucking... Peppers. <laughs> Peppers? <laughs> What's your top five rappers? I don't know. When we were watching this, I kept thinking about that. And I was like, I don't mind rap music, but I don't really listen to it that much, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think I'd. All right, what what do you listen to? You listen to your weird, dark death metal. I listen to a lot of um, 80s and 70s at the moment. That's taken over my life. But the same, like, five David Bowie songs, pretty much. Which is very lazy. So that's your answer. Five David Bowie songs. (laughs) (laughs) Go Starman, Life on Mars. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, probably just Kanye West loads of times, and then all Kanye, the different. Kanye, um, Kanye. I'd probably go P Diddy, Puff Daddy. No, I'm joking. That's the same guy. <laughs> Did you see the in the in the post credits? What Seinfeld doing so Probably like yours. <laughs> just I shit. don't even remember what he said. He was just shouting. Sugar Hill Gang. Uh, Did he say loads okay. of white people. Was that the joke? It was Eminem. No, he wasn't said it? like really like dated ones like Eminem. Uh, and who's the one who sang "Baby Got Back"? Sir Mixola. So mix a lot, yeah. Now so mix a lot! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, before we get into that, what is actually the plot of the film Top 5? So, Andre Allen is a comedian turned dramatic actor played by Chris Rock. Uh, He's a recovering alcoholic, he's kind of depressed, and he's about to get married to a reality star, and their wedding's getting broadcast live on TV. And around the same time, he's just released a new film, which is a dramatic film about the, how do I say this? Haitian? Haitian, I think they say in the film. Let's go with that one. Okay. The Haitian Revolution figure, uh, Dutty Bootmon, and it's getting criticised because people are saying it's not very good and his acting's not very good. And he gets interviewed by a reporter, played by Rosario Dawson, called Chelsea Brown. And then it's kind of like a day in the life where he she's just following him around, asking questions about his alcoholism and his life up until this point. And they kind of both get to know each other and share kind of darker things about their lives. And that's pretty much it. What did you think of Top 5? 
So one of one of our things that we always look for in these films is weird tonal shifts. And I feel like this film has about 12. <laughs> there was points where I was like, I'm quite into this. Like, it's quite an interesting character. It's kind of a little bit like, I'd say out of the films we've watched, it's a little bit similar to Funny People, isn't it? He's yeah. a bit similar to George Simmons. And I kind of liked all of the bits that were similar to bits in that. That was like, he had these fake films where he was dressed as a giant bear and it was really weird and over the top. But then there was also parts where... It was these long walk and talks, almost like I think they. I think I saw in review saying it was quite similar to like Woody Allen films. I've never really watched any Woody Allen films, so I don't really support that kind of thing. There was times where it kind of gave gave me like a When Harry Met Sally kind of vibe, where it was just long scenes of just two characters talking, and I was I was kind of buying that stuff to an extent. I thought him and Rosario Dawson had quite good chemistry. I kind of liked that he wasn't supposed to be some really lovable character. I don't think, even though he's the lead and whatever, I don't think he's quite like a flawed character and whatever. I found that quite, it was all right. But then there was other times where I was just really bored and there was whole scenes where I would, that I would have definitely lost. And it wasn't even a particularly long film, but it felt like a long film, I thought. I remember laughing a couple of times. There was a few like weird cutaways where it really changed tone and pace that were funny, but maybe not particularly good. There's a few very odd scenes that we're definitely going to talk about that feel like they came from like an early noughties gross out comedy. But then there's also scenes where there's like a plucky jazz score in the background as Chris Rock talks about the nuances and his struggles of being an alcoholic and whatever. It's very uneven, I think. I, I think it's hard to say whether I enjoyed it or not. I'm not sure. I might know in like half an hour's time after we've spoken about it a bit more, but at the moment I'm kind of divided on it. How about you? Um, I echo your feelings almost exactly like i really like big stretches of this i think the chemistry between rosero dawson and chris rock is really strong a lot stronger than we've seen in zookeeper <laughs> uh because these two actually seem like they have chemistry i actually did kind of root for them throughout as individuals and together as well i think it is kind of interesting the character reminded me a little bit of yeah like you said like george simmons also like Bojack Horseman and that kind of character kind of a washed up actor but I kind of wish they'd leaned into it a bit more but yeah like you say there's bits where it is just really boring or kind of I didn't know what was going on or I was really lost because yeah them having it as a day in the life does kind of limit what they can do in that time frame but yeah I did think it was pretty good but there's some bits where I was just kind of bored I think it's just really in the middle for me yeah, um, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, I think you can kind of see why no one really remembers it for any reason, really. It's not forgotten because it's particularly bad, but it's kind of just like, kind of just happens to you in a few points, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it, I don't want to take away because there's some bits in this which I think are really good, but a lot of it I was just kind of like, what's going on? Um, yeah, I think for me, the worst parts were the bits with Chris Rock's, I think they were his family or friends or whatever. Mm. Those scenes where it was like Tracy Jordan and Leslie Jones and whatever, because it's kind of like, I think it's the same in like the week of the scenes with the big families and they're just sort of bickering and it feels kind of real that there's these kind of in jokes and in phrases and stuff. I liked in this one that they had like documentary style cutaways of because she's the uh, journalist. So there was like the bits when all of his family members were saying, oh yeah, he's not even funny and all of this yeah. stuff. I thought that was quite good. But the scenes where everyone's just talking is quite hard to follow. And I don't know why they always do it in, in films with all these like really hustle bustle bits. If it's not to be like in our podcast world, like Punch Drunk Love does it really well. Like that overload of people just talking. Noise. Yeah, not being able to find your find your place. But like in this and the week of and 
can't think of many other examples, but like, I don't know. I don't see it as doing anything to like further the character's feelings or whatever. It just kind of feels like noise that you kind of tune out of. Yeah. Might be funny for 30 seconds, but when it's like three separate scenes in the film, it's a bit annoying, I think. Yeah, I found this did have a lot of overwhelming noise and movement because a lot of this is tracking shots of them talking and people in the street being loud and noisy. And where you mentioned Punch Drunk Love, that leans into it. The reason that the film feels uncomfortable is because of this noise and they use that as a kind of, they weaponize that to make you feel as uncomfortable as the main character. Here, I don't know, it, it is there a little bit and you can see there is some tensions rising, but I kind of wish they'd gone into it even more because there is a scene where all this pressure's built up so much that it leads to him like having a breakdown in a shop, which I think is one of the better scenes in the film. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wish it set that up more or the noise was more, either more irritating or not there at all. Um, yeah, because at that point it was because he had seen this character that he hates, wasn't it, that he'd played in a film. He yeah. saw like the bear and he just started like throwing beers at him <laughs> and stuff. So that was quite good. But yeah, you're right. Like they could have definitely set that up earlier with him maybe having like a bit of a, you know, getting a bit short with his family in those, in those scenes or whatever. Mm. I just feel like those bits are always, no one likes being at like a family party where everyone's talking over it and whatever. And you feel like an outsider or whatever. So why put it in films so much? <laughs> it's just yeah. a bit knackering, isn't it? Yeah, I think it would have been better if because as soon as he's with his family the the characters just kind of come and all his old friends and stuff he is quite comfortable he's doing the top five thing but if it had been him like completely isolated or not having any way of connecting to these people who were his friends when he was young but he can't connect anymore because he's not drinking and he's really famous really rich that'd have been kind of interesting but it's just there and it's noisy like i have i have quite a big family and we have parties like that i'm always like when i see him in films i'm like oh fuck like covid's coming to an end i don't I I don't want to go back to being at those big shitty parties. <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the Essex version of a uh, top five? Is it the top five characters in EastEnders? <laughs> <laughs> top five deaths on EastEnders, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Barbara Windsor. I don't know. I've never seen a minute of EastEnders, I don't think, in my life. Well, you're truly missing out. Uh, this film does one of the things I hate most in a film. You know when people are moving around and they're having a conversation and then people run over to get autographs and take photos, but the conversation's still happening. So his bodyguard, Silk, is his bodyguard or his mate? Uh, he's kind he's of just in talking between, to him. Yeah. yeah, he's just talking to him and he's talking back, but there's all these people. I've never seen human beings have that kind of interaction whilst something's happening in real life, but it happens in films all the time. It does my head. Yeah, you kind of see these autograph hunters as being like almost like zombies don't you they're yeah. sort of like brainless they don't say anything he's just signing it oh so you're coming to the party later <laughs> yeah yeah that is true i mean you don't really ever see it happening that way do you really and if it did you would know that people would be like oh i met so-and-so the other day what a prick like didn't even look at me <laughs> everyone would be bitching about chris rock's character wouldn't they exactly what did you think of the fake films in this film so the only one i can really remember is the hammy ones with the bear which i remember laughing just because i saw louis guzman and last yeah, time we saw him it was just a big pair of balls <laughs> so, so yeah that was quite funny i thought maybe there wasn't much of it really was there there was clips from other films he was in at the start and then the main film that he's in which is this uprise I, look, I, that I, looks like a fake film doesn't it the uprise one yeah like i feel like there could have been a bit more i don't know like a bit of subtlety to it or like something there was just something missing where it just looked like a fake film it looked uh, like a, a youtube red do you remember when they started doing that when yeah it was like youtube dramas <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in a comedy film 
it's not even really a scene. It's the opening to Tropic Thunder where it's just, is it three or four trailers back to back? And they all look like real films, like for better or worse. One's a really bad action film. One's a really bad Oscar bait film. One's a really bad comedy. Mm-hmm. And it just sets up the film really well. And it sets up that universe and what films are popular there. And I think they kind of do it a little bit here, but I don't know, all the films that are in this, didn't really work for me none of them looked like a real film and i like the idea of him being famous for one character that they milked but the film it doesn't even look like a real film it looks like they put no effort into even making it look like something that could exist in that world no and it's supposed to be his big oscar bait type film isn't it and yeah but it does look like something from a from a comedy film if it was ever to be a real film you'd think that's a comedy like the way it's shot it's weird because this film shot pretty well as well so you'd think that be able to spare some expense and put some good stuff on that as well. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, I kind of like the direction in this. I really like the music. So the soundtrack's like kind of this jazz score. It reminded me of a little bit of, you know, in Birdman, the kind of beat that's yeah. going through the whole thing. It kind of added a rhythm to the, the film and I think it made the back and forth between Chris Rock and Rosario Dawson kind of interesting. That's what I mean, though. Like, that makes the really weird, over-the-top, gross-out comedy bits stand out so much because those bits feel like something that's a bit more classy really it feels like that sort of upmarket because he's going in and out of all these like bars and doing these interviews and he's like living supposed to be living the high life isn't he and it's playing this like twangy bass or whatever it is and it did feel quite like suave at those points i think because it had all those nice camera moves the pans the follow shots and all those really long one shots of them just talking walking down roads and stuff that stuff did all feel pretty slick i thought but then it gets broken up by i don't know cedric the entertainer having a threesome now let's talk about that scene yeah Um, uh, That's the real reason right, we're here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think we famously said the worst thing we've ever seen is Adam Sandler sweatily having doggy... Oh, I don't want to say doggy. <laughs> My mum might listen. <laughs> no, she won't. She hasn't listened to any of these. Bitch. I would say... Um... <laughs> Very disgusting scene. So yeah, In Funny People, a film that it is very similar to this. Yeah, I think the most similar out of any two of these films that we've watched. Thank God this one's shorter, am I right? So yeah, there's a really horrible scene in Funny People where he's having sex with a woman and it looked horrible. And I I just think that that, he's a comedy actor and stuff. It'd be like seeing Will Ferrell in like a realistic sex scene. I don't want to see it. Yeah, I think it's something about like, I think his best films are ones where he's kind of sweet, like Fifty First Dates and Wedding Singer. Yeah, and The Waterboy, of course, and Little Nicky. Yeah, seeing him as... Say Fifty First Dates, the film where he lies to all those yeah. women. And yeah, Kevin yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> he gave them a magical night. What's sweeter than that? <laughs> no, like by the end, he's supposed to be very romantic and stuff, right? So seeing him go from those things to just having like a one night stand with someone like twenty five years younger than him, and she's screaming, and he's big and sweaty and whatever, like is very jarring, right? Yeah, I didn't like that. But then this one has upped the ante completely. So go to a flashback to two thousand three. Chris Rock's there wearing a Red Hot Chili Peppers t-shirt. And you also know it's 2003 because they go to a very horribly lit hotel room (laughs) scene and there's a picture of George (laughs) Bush on the wall. Yeah, the payoff of that was quite good to be fair, wasn't it? Yeah, it was all right. But then they go out clubbing and then these two women arrive and then they have a disgustingly shot, awful looking, just gross looking threesome. You know when you hear people talking about like a soft core porn thing? That's what that felt like. It felt very porny. 
it was really uncomfortable. And then they're like having a pillow fight with like a down pillow. So all these feathers are all over Chris Rock's disgusting, sweaty body. <laughs> and they're both like going down on him at the same time. And then he's going down. And I was like, this is horrible. There is one shot in particular that is essentially a bird's eye view of <laughs> these two women. You can see they're fully naked. <laughs> you can see <laughs> both of their legs are spread. <laughs> and Chris Rock jumps from having his head in between one of their legs to the to the one next to them and I think I I actually went oh <laughs> like, it's not like, nice. all right hold if, in the reaction if any listeners out there are thinking of uh, renting a little film to watch with old grandma <laughs> she's there doing the knitting or doing a little sudoku and you put this on <laughs> Don't, because it's got a horrible, horrible sex scene, which is then interrupted by such an entertainer. When you think it couldn't get any worse, can we just mention the fact as well, there's a really slow, romantic R&B song playing as well while this happened. Oh, it's so dirty. <laughs> and then Cedric the Entertainer then comes in. And I don't remember what he shouts, because I watched this bit last night. I watched this film in two halves. I think I had to take a break after this scene. I was like, I need to go to bed. This is too much. What was he? What does he <laughs> Something, move over Make room for me. Some, or something like that yeah it's disgusting and he's and then, got this shoulder length wig as well we should probably mention <laughs> and then he starts fucking and then chris rocks just sat in the corner all scared like watching it <laughs> awful and it is horrible get... but i must say i did laugh a fair few times but i think because of how outrageous <laughs> and out of place this whole scene was yeah me too and then it has a really dark payoff that they were prostitutes which Obviously they were. I don't know why Chris Rock's confused and Cedric the Entertainer owes them a thousand dollars. This guy is a multi-millionaire. Just you'd think he'd be like, yeah, fuck it, I'll pay it. Fine. No, this is his first gig out of the city, isn't it? It's a flashback to 2003. Oh, okay. So he like wasn't famous. His career. I'm mixing him up with the real life uh, Chris, like Rock, Chris Rock who would have been already semi-famous at this point yeah and then they say give me a thousand dollars he says no and then they both accuse him of rape it's fucking what a dark yeah. dark bit this is it it's all very tonally that is odd, very dark it? that part yeah makes me he's in prison and whatever for yeah. the night yeah, yeah there is I a was... weird tone there with like harassing women and stuff isn't there JB Smooth's character is it, did you say his name was Silk he's... Silk yeah yeah he, he's a bit like creepy as well a few times isn't he very yeah, his, his one defining feature really is a character. I like him as well. I, I've yeah. seen a few episodes of Kirby Enthusiasm. He's in that, isn't he? He's a funny guy. But his one character trait in this is that he likes big, big he ladies. Getting in women's faces. <laughs> getting in women's faces and he's just chatting shit. And there's a scene later on, which we'll cover in a bit because that's got our main guy, that made me really feel a bit sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about that after we talk about the Rosario Dawson boyfriend reveal. Yes, the second scene. So like, did you think it was going to get any worse than Chris Rock <laughs> on the floor crying? And then Chris Rock in a bed with a huge well, sweat slash probably cum stain. Oh, Remember that? God. On the satin yes, sheet? Yes, I like... forgot about that. <laughs> a horrible seat, like horrible big patch of wet, hot, fresh Cedric the Entertainer jizz. Yeah, Cedric's, <laughs> Cedric's silhouette in the sheets, basically. <laughs> but and, and obviously George Bush is watching over this whole thing while it's happening. Like that was, it was kind of funny, but very out of place. But then it's a bit more in place when we get to that 
Rosario Dawson boyfriend reveal. Yeah, we meet Rosario Dawson's family briefly. She has a daughter who, even though, like, I think she was a teen mum or something. And the daughter, her one defining feature is that she wants to play Angry Birds, but she doesn't have a phone. She keeps yeah. borrowing people's phones to play Angry Birds. She looked too old for this, didn't she? She did, and her performance was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rosario Dawson's mum was recently in uh, In the Heights. Oh, was she? Musical that, yeah. So we're introduced to Rosario Dawson's boyfriend that I think she mentioned a few times at a hotel, and he's acting very sheepish, and it, it's quickly revealed that he's having an affair with his male friend. And then uh, Rosario Dawson's really angry. And I think she starts like being like, oh, you fucking, I've dated everyone. And now I've dated someone who's gay. Yeah, she's dated an Asian. And then she says that she's dated an Asian. And then Chris Rock says something a bit racist. And then she says, oh, I've dated two women as well. And then he says, oh, so you can go all Katie Lang, but he goes with one guy and he's gay? That's almost progressive. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know, maybe. Like, the guy might be bisexual. I don't know. But then we get a stunning flashback sequence where we again have a horrible sex scene and then where he tells Rosario Dawson to put her finger up his ass, Mm -hmm. and then it escalates to just endless scenes of him bending over in front of her and her shoving her fucking fingers up his arsehole and him screaming shit. (laughs) And he says, knock it up. One of them's on an airplane, isn't it? Of <laughs> the airplane. And then he says some shit about that she can't afford a house in front of his mates. And then she comes out of the bathroom and he's bent over, spread out, wanting her to finger him. Oh, this is awful. Imagine if one of our parents listened to this. This is how we're talking. He's bent over like a cat. Yeah, he's bent over. <laughs> and then she proceeds to get a tampon, cover it in hot sauce, and shove it up his ass. And then he's just writhing <laughs> in agony, screaming. And the scene ends. What a horrible scene. <laughs> what did you think of it, though? <laughs> did, you, did you laugh? <laughs> I, so I've just got back in from training. So today I've been doing Hill and Morland training in the peaks. I've been up since 6am. I finished watching the first half of this film last night at about half one in the morning. And now I woke up at six. I've done a full day out in this blistering heat. I have burns on my hands. I've hurt my wrist. I burnt my hand yesterday cooking a pot noodle. I'm having a shit time. I'm just all tired. I get in and the exact point I've paused is when they meet the boyfriend. So this is the immediate visceral oh. response. And then my housemate knocks on my fucking door just as he's got a tampon full of hot sauce up his arse. She had one finger ready and a, a tampon in it. <laughs> Luke Thomas has bent over on his bed. That's how I watched it. I was naked. (laughs) Fuck it up. (laughs) Crouched over your laptop. (laughs) But no, uh, I think there were some elements that were kind of funny, though. Especially when he said, knock it up. Yeah. It it probably felt like coming into it just from that scene, you were probably like, am I watching the right film? (laughs) It's so out of place, isn't it? out of place and it's very similar to the earlier orgy threesome scene that it's really grotesquely shot and it comes out of nowhere Mm. and it barely has a payoff or anything it's just a really weird anecdote yeah Um, it kind of makes her seem like she's kind of abusing this guy uh, as well yeah why does she do that to him I mean, it's bad that he said that about her, that she couldn't afford a house but you don't shove hot sauce up someone's arsehole. No, not just for that but I think Character-wise, I guess that scene provided some level of symmetry to the film 
in that it kind of grossed out of nowhere, but about her. And then Chris Rock had his scene earlier. So, I don't know, it makes... It's like a both... trust thing, wasn't it, I guess? Yeah, they both yeah, trusted both... each other. That is a theme in the film. And one of the better scenes in this film is, is a, a scene where Chris Rock's talking about rigorous honesty. So just after this scene, they both kiss, but then they kind of are like, let's stop doing this. And then sh- he finds out that she is actually the critic who criticised him. That, that really hurt him like years before uh, under a pseudonym. It's a really good scene where he's kind of trying to leave and then she's trying to apologise to him. And he's like, my mum read that and then goes outside and he's just really upset. And then he says about rigorous honesty and that he doesn't want to go back to stand-up comedy because he was high or drunk every single time he did it. And now he doesn't think he can ever do that again. I don't know. I really thought that was really well done, that whole sequence. Yeah, I thought that was quite good. I feel I feel like maybe they should have brought that idea in earlier that stand-up comedy was something that he didn't feel like he could do anymore because that was about an hour and 10 minutes in, let's say. So there was only another 25 minutes to go. So yeah. it kind of felt odd to bring in a bit of conflict like that for it to be resolved because it basically does get resolved because he does a stand-up gig. Kind yeah, of felt a bit he, late for that to yeah. come in. He meets DMX uh, in prison. Rest in he peace. Gets, rest in peace. Died, what, like a few months ago? Yeah, not long. So, yeah, rest in peace. His scene is kind of weird because he, he's in prison and then he's like, I, I want to do something different other than rapping. And then he starts singing Smile really, really badly. <laughs> Everyone's booing him and he's not telling him to shut up. Have you heard DMX's cover of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? I have not heard that. Well, listen to it now. Listen on oh, air, right give now. you a reaction. Yeah, you only need to hear the first 20 seconds to get an idea of it. Okay. We're in July. It's the hottest day of the year. Hottest day. We're about to listen to a Christmas song. Okay. Oh my god, that was uh It's was it's really something, isn't it? Something else. That's yeah. what we listen to every Christmas. Me and my family <laughs> sit down for dinner with that playing. <laughs> what just in a loop over and over again. Yeah, just the first twenty seconds as well. Instead of watching the Queen's speech, just <laughs> We watch the King's speech and it's just that song. <laughs> that um, I found that cameo quite funny because he hears a weird noise and it's like <clears throat> He's like, I heard, I heard the most amazing sound. I think he says something like that. And and then it's just DMX stood there DMX. with his face up against the bars. Very good. That one of, I want to say one of four real life celebrities we get in this film. Mm-hmm. So we get Whoopi Goldberg, Jerry Seinfeld and Adam Sandler. In a... Seinfeld's a very big one, isn't it? What do you mean? Like a I always big think get of him or... as, yeah, yeah. Seinfeld is one of the richest comedians of all time i think because yeah. seinfeld was insanely popular in the i've, never, I've never really watched that show but like because i haven't watched that i don't think i've ever seen him do anything good <laughs> so seinfeld is maybe one of the best comedy series of all time you need to watch it it is yeah. good and i do like jerry seinfeld however <laughs> oh wait b always... movie b movie of course he's so good in that <laughs> His scenes in this are really gross, and I don't know what it is about. Well, I do know what it is about them. So his net worth is $950 million. Okay. That's fucking crazy. He's nearly a billionaire. That's fucking mental. Mm. And there's a horrible scene of the 60-year-old Jerry Seinfeld just flicking (laughs) money in slow motion into the air around him with this horrible, seedy face as all these naked women (laughs) are grabbing money from him. It'd be so easy to not film that. <laughs> yeah, it never needed to happen, did it? It really is. Unless crazy. they were just trying to film in the strip pub and he was just there already throwing his $950 million around. 
it's a weird mix of people like Sandler, Seinfeld, and, and Whoopi Goldberg. And Whoopi. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever seen two of them in a film together. No, and I don't think they are in any other films together, are they? No, like Sandler and Seinfeld, I think, are in one SNL skit I've seen together. I yeah, I guess they've, they're have they all big 90s people, though, aren't they? Do you think that Adam Sandler and Whoopi Goldberg were both in Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee? Almost definitely. Seinfeld is one of the most talented comedians of all time. There's a reason that man has that amount of money, and the delivery of the line, do I have to say it, did crack me up when uh, he was accusing a stripper of hiding his... Was it his wallet? She was like, I have to say it? <laughs> she was like, yeah. where would I put it? And he was like, do I have to say it? <laughs> Just shouting it. <laughs> Somebody, please, can you help me get my money back? <laughs> All of them are a bit gross because they kind of appear a little bit like, I'm going to say it, like the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future. Yeah. In this club to him. Giving Chris Rock's character insight into what married life will be. Adam Sandler. I think, and I hope, loves his wife. And that's why I like 100% Fresh. It's all about him loving his wife and family. <laughs> and yet again, we have in this just him saying how much he hates his wife. And I'm like, uh, stop that. No, he. I don't think he's too bad, was he? I thought his whole, was his whole point not like, just be good, just be a good person. Do you say that no, at he's one like, point? Yeah, but he's also like, eh, never ever tell, if you cheat on it, never ever tell them that you cheated <laughs> ever, ever. Even if you come home with two vaginas in your car, you don't tell them that you cheated on it. Gross. Maybe he's, that's just a device, though. It doesn't mean he's done it. Yeah, and then he's like, prenup, make sure you get your prenup. You've got to <laughs> sign that prenup. You get that prenup because you can't trust women. You can't... I think he says the word hose at one point. <laughs> and I hated that. I think he's like, watch out for all these hoes here. <laughs> Solid sure. advice. That's what my dad always tells me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Like, you're right. Adam Sanders' bit is pretty gross, isn't it? But as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, there he is. I don't know why. Like, he wasn't good. I didn't. didn't really do I anything. Didn't. But I was like, oh, it's good to see him. I feel like, dare I say this, I think that Sandy Wexler did it a bit better. I mean, a reason to have celebrities there and then them appearing and it making sense. I feel like this film would have been better if they'd have had way more celebrities. It yeah. Made this world he lives in, this celebrity Hollywood world, feel more tangible or like it's actually happening. Like, there's other celebrities there or in his films I think that was kind of something that was a little bit missing yeah or at least if just one of them appeared it was just really horrible yeah. that's what I love oh. do you remember Emma Watson in This Is The End where she's really horrible that's isn't what that I would what have they, wanted isn't that what they were doing with Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> no, he was really nice like, he, he wasn't really that oh he was giving everyone money <laughs> <laughs> really nice yeah, he, was, he was literally throwing money away. <laughs> Philanthropist Jerry Seinfeld. He's uh, $950 million. I think there's more celebrities, isn't there? Taraji P. Henson's in it at one point. She's literally in one shot of the side of her face, I think. And then she sits next to him in like an interview. Who? Um, <laughs> no, Taraji P. Henson, the actress, she's in like Hidden Figures I've, and stuff. I've never heard that name in my whole They, they literally whole say her life. name in the film. It was not listening. Oh, man, you should have paid more attention at 1 a.m. when I you should were watching have. Chris Rock's top five. And um, Louis Guzman is in it. Louis so, Guzman as well. How could you forget? And also, Precious is in it from the movie Precious, based on the novel Pushed by Sapphire. Oh, is that who uh, Silt was chatting up? Yes. And she's oh, like, okay. can you please just leave? We've mentioned before that we do not like stand-up scenes in films. We have seen it going overboard in Funny People. The less I say about Adam Sandler talking about his own dick in Funny People, the better. But what did you think of Chris Rock's stand-up set in this? Um, it felt a little bit more authentic, maybe. 
I think they kept it to just being just one camera, which I think makes kind of helps, you know, just having one shot or whatever. Yeah. It felt kind of more fly on the wall. But also, I don't know, wasn't it like jokes about how good blowjobs are? Yeah, it there's a lot of scenes about blowjobs. Kind of happened, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't care. Sick of them all talking about their own cocks all the time. I thought the bits of the amateur stand-ups, like the jokes weren't particularly funny, but they felt a little bit more real than in Funny People when it was just like Jonah Hill screaming about his dick or whatever. Like this wasn't as bad as that. Such so bad. But yeah, it's, this isn't as bad, but still not like amazing. But I think thematically it works because obviously, he's, you know, that he doesn't want to go back to comedy. He wants to be this film guy. It's kind of him trying to discover what he enjoys and what he is going to be. And then mm. him going back to that is kind of cathartic. I think it's a good scene. Yeah. Not necessarily that the stand up's good though. Well, I think he tells a very average joke and it just like cuts to Rosario Dawson and she's acting like it's the funniest thing she's ever heard in her whole life. She's just like. <laughs> huge grin but yeah i don't know it wasn't it definitely didn't stand out as being like massively bad i guess we have seen going overboard like a couple of months back that's always yeah nothing is gonna be as bad as the stand-up in that film what did you think of the ending of this film pretty bad yeah me too didn't like it i was like what's what's going on he's like in the back of his car isn't he and he's opening up the gift bag and it seems like it's all the wrong things basically i think there was basically women's stuff in it and then rosario dawson put her shoe in there yeah they set up this theme early on, which is a bit ham-fisted, this Cinderella thing, very early on, to the point where I'd forgotten about it until it happened. Mm-hmm. And what is it? She's reading a book about having a Cinderella ending or a Cinderella story or something. Cinderella complex, what the hell is that? So Cinderella complex is an unconscious desire to be taken care of by others. So yeah, I guess that the payoff for that is that Rosario Dawson does want to be looked after. <laughs> I don't know. She leaves a shoe in his bag, which implies come back. Yeah. But he's yeah. already said, no, <laughs> I don't yeah, want he's it. Like, you know, I can't do this. And she's like, we'll take yeah. my fucking shoe then and then we'll see. So, you yeah. do it. I don't you think we'd have had a scene of her like walking back, but like <laughs> because she was wearing heels. She's got one heel. She's taken both off. <laughs> Maybe. Wouldn't he have noticed her getting out of a car fucking barefoot in New York? Did she have a spare heel in her bag with, along with her hot sauce? <laughs> she brought a spare shoe. She always has a spare shoe. Every just in day case. in case she meets the man of her dreams to leave it in a in a gift bag for <laughs> these expensive gift bags it kind of happened and i just didn't yeah i didn't remember at all about the cinderella thing and then my fiance said and i was like oh yeah that's pretty uh, pretty shit note to leave it on yeah like i'd say this is a bit of a romantic film it's more about self-discovery but there is an element of that but romance is so fucking toothless and shit like the end of harry met sally he like runs during the countdown or whatever like you made a comparison to that earlier and he mm-hmm. like says like these iconic i think he's like oh i like it when you do all this and that or whatever and it's good it's memorable well so memorable i don't even remember what they say but there is like an element of we're gonna make this happen or whatever Wait, he run- do you say he runs he runs he run he runs i think you're getting party. it mixed up with love actually when featherboy runs through the airport to get that <laughs> I like that you call him Featherboy. I don't think anyone expected <laughs> you call him Featherboy. That's really mid early 2000s CBBC. <laughs> like <Yeah>. alienated our <laughs> American listeners so much. I don't think Love I ever it. even watched it. I just remember the advert haunting me. What were we even talking about? <laughs> um, that, how the ending wasn't memorable. Not as yeah, memorable as Featherboy. No, it's not as memorable as like 
I don't know. It, the it classic just... rom-com moments. Yeah, and I, I'm not saying I want this to be a rom-com. I don't, because I think that sometimes like things don't have to have a romantic angle, but they kind of pushed for that in the last few scenes. So run with it, make it... I think they pushed me it right from the start. Yeah. Right from and, the start. And their chemistry was good. At the end, I kind of wanted them to be together. I thought that would be a good payoff. Yeah. But then they just they, it just leaves it on a like cliffhanger, and I, I don't care. Do you know what the craziest thing is that we're like an hour into discussing this and we haven't discussed the fact that he's actually not single in this rom-com film? He's due to get married, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's like two days before his wedding. In the intro, I think we said that he's getting married to Rosario so we completely yeah. mixed up the plot. He's not. He's getting married to someone else who is quite good in this, I think. Gabriel Maybe. Union, is that her name? I don't know. Gabrielle, <laughs> I guess it would be if it's a woman. Yeah, playing Erica Long, so Gabrielle Union. She's pretty good and there's a scene where so he gets arrested for smashing up a shop which is a good scene because mm-hmm. it kind of shows him like breaking his being teetotal uh starts drinking a beer and then gets really angry that his stupid bear character's got a beer named after him and has a breakdown and then she rings him and he's like i've sucked your dick every day for the fucking whatever now you owe me a fucking favor i don't have any talent and you have talent yeah. and you you get me and i nearly married bradley cooper and, and, yeah. and he just does this like mini breakdown i think the acting in that was actually really good she's just like, like I, I need this yeah she's saying how much and it's that whole fake shit is yeah her whole life and i think she was an interesting character i wish she'd been in it more yeah it would have really helped if we'd seen them together a couple of times yeah. wouldn't it and they in like any scenes together except that one, one bit when they like walk to an airplane together and that's about it i think yeah it's interesting because she's not really shown as being like a villain or being in the wrong is she she's kind of just she's got no, her yeah. aim and whatever but it's not like she's not like demonized in the same way as when they randomly started being really horrible to that woman in just go with it Do you remember that oh don't talk to me about that and the fact that that film doesn't have a scene of adam sandler running to or realizing his mistake or no he just appeared going, at a bar didn't he just it? appears at the bar ah, i left her she's Do you remember gone. the woman had a like, weird a mad name the blonde woman was her name like tilly boxcar or something like that (laughs) (laughs) it was a mad name wasn't it it wasn't tilly boxcar you fucking dickhead that's not anything (laughs) i think that was her name it wasn't it was palmer dodge (laughs) that's no better or palmer but yeah this character is kind of what palmer should have been like a a real she feels like a real person and also it's kind of interesting her being a reality star they kind of unpackage this what it means to be a celebrity the same as chris rock's character is interesting rosario dawson's character is interesting and that's it <laughs> the rest of them are. Yeah. i feel like maybe it would have benefited from being more than just one day in his life it maybe then it would have got a bit more generic to the point of being like a just go with it where there is a happy ending and all that stuff i guess it might have taken away of what made it a bit more interesting i suppose and when the sky cracks i don't always feel Strong is the brand new single from Joe Tyrone, produced by Mike Shinoda of Lincoln Park, streaming everywhere now. I'm not always gonna be as strong as I am. How did you do on your uh, rock chart? On my rock chart this week, I, I did all right actually. I got a bingo in 11 minutes, which I thought oh. was pretty spectacular. So, outdated reference after that Kevin Hart scene. He says, I could be the Haitian Django. 
I thought, you know, Django, maybe at the time it might not have been outdated, but I feel like by now people probably don't really talk about Django that much. It was a good film, but it's kind of in, I think it's in Quentin Tarantino's sort of like forgotten territory. What the fuck are you talking about, you dipshit? I don't think people talk about Django that much. People talk about Django. I don't think they do. They do, you, what are you on about? I haven't heard anyone mention Django in years. Right, well, whatever, you can have it, but I Everyone talks about um, Jackie Brown and Death Race, whatever it was called, Death Proof. <laughs> no, I don't What's know. Your I I'd like say that's his most popular film. Like mm. that, Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards are probably his big three. I think Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs are his big films, aren't they? Yeah, all right, maybe then. But like modern Tarantino, I bet on the poster of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it says from the maker of Pulp Fiction and Django and Cheng. It doesn't. It says the ninth movie by Quentin Tarantino. Fuck, it does as well. Right, I bet the trailers say from the creative mind behind. No, they say from the ninth movie of. Quentin Tarantino. That's well, thing, I bet some it? of the reviewers have said Tarantino, the director of such hits like The Hateful Eight. <laughs> no, Hateful Eight is the one that no one talks about. Like, if we're going through Tarantino, you've definitely got like Pulp Fiction's probably his number one. Like, everyone talks about that. And then Reservoir Dogs, fine. Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, probably on par. Kill Bill. And then you've got like. Hate, I think Kill uh, Bill's, Kill Bill's bigger than these ones. No, it's not bigger than Django. Kill Bill's like iconic. Everyone talks about Kill Bill. Everyone we talks about Django. No Django one talks, I don't think what? anyone really talks what? about Django. Tarantino's highest grossing movie to date received acclaims for Waltz's performance and Tarantino's direction screenplay. Received numerous awards, five nominations at the Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Waltz won several awards for his performance. What the fuck are you talking about? Green Book won Best Picture. <laughs> doesn't mean anything. He didn't even win Best Picture. Green Book did win Best Picture. No, I mean Django didn't win. That's because it's not as good as Green Book. <laughs> I don't know. No, I just feel like people don't name right, okay. Django in things anymore. Maybe, but... Maybe when this came like, out. No good... When this came Bye. out, maybe people were still Bye. saying But Bye. I heard it and I was just a bit like, mm, I don't know. Right, if he'd have said, wow, you're like one of the superheroes from Chronicle, I'd have been like, okay, that's an outdated <laughs> reference. Django? If someone said Django now, would it be like, that's an old reference? Fuck you, man. I just feel like... <laughs> so... I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of like, it's days been and passed. <laughs> I don't know. No, I just don't think anyone's like, oh my god, I watched Django last night. Like, you never, I don't know. I think what it had a you? really big cultural moment, but like, we've moved on. No one's talking about it. No one's you talking about it. Utterly talking out of your fucking ass, but fine, you can have it. Django is, no, is no longer a big, like, popular, over the overly <laughs> popular movie. It isn't. <laughs> All the people who watched Django immediately forgot about it when they saw, like, a fucking Avengers Age of Ultron. It's a nine... Yeah, oh, yeah, they probably would have, to be fair. Yeah. Its popularity is down 33 places in this week alone, according to IMDb. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think I'm wrong. <laughs> right, right into us, the gmail.com. This is our first real disagreement. Is this the first time you've heard of Django this week? <laughs> How many times have you heard the word Django this week, except before this podcast where we've said Django about 50 times? Which is almost the amount of times that the M-word gets you, said in right, I will, I will say, I haven't seen Django change since the cinema. Yeah, it, I think there's something here. It's a very good film. I love it, don't get me wrong. but It's just a bit long, isn't it? Like, I don't want to put it on because it's so long, but I still think it's a good film. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not for one minute saying it's not a good film. It is a good film. It's a great film, but... I, I just watch don't it. think I watch it I'd rather watch Funny People again if I had the same amount of time. Bullshit. Um, no, definitely oh not. Product placement, Cosmo magazine, very early on that gets held up. There's a lot of product placement through this whole film, though. 
And I ticked it for old joke, which was, I think that it was Rosario Dawson's mum, the woman that was looking after the kid. Um, she says, I want to be a cougar, but I can't find anyone to coog. Uh. Yeah. Uh, so that was my bingo, 11 minutes. Shouting Chris Rock, opening scene where he's hailing a cab. Nice property, ticked that for some of the nice hotels that are later on in the film. Stand-up or music performance. I ticked that very early when they were showing a clip of Chris Rock as a stand-up and someone says, he's the funniest man in America. Oh, God. Get him and uh, Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Klasky or whatever his name is in a room. <laughs> the greatest chef in the United States of America. <laughs> Meets the, the greatest comedian in America and the best zookeeper in America. That's what I want. I want comedians and chefs in cars getting coffee. <laughs> <laughs> in cars getting TGIs. Little Seinfeld. <laughs> Let's blend everything we've ever said into one joke. <laughs> so I didn't right. tick a makeover I didn't take fart and I didn't take a ripped dad bod because Chris Rock is very skinny in this film yeah he's not got that ripped dad bod that you want whatever so how did you do on your rock chart uh, I didn't do very well I did get a line though but I've only just written my line now because I've realised I missed something I okay. don't know what time it happened I think way past the hour mark but I'll get into it in a second so flashback I get that really early on sideburns or facial hair Chris Rock has a tiny little moustache. Very thin moustache, yeah. Little thin moustache, so I did that. And what's annoying, I could have got a line in literally 10 seconds if someone had walked past the screen with a sports team cap. Mm. That would have given me a diagonal line because my overticked one is race joke, which happened immediately. And then he came in with a little moustache. So I was like, if someone was passing a cap, this is the fastest I'll have ever got one. <laughs> like in, in one, like two seconds. But it didn't happen. So my final piece that I got is horrible voice. And I'm giving this to Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> These horrible, nasty voice. Things I didn't get. Friend with nothing in common with. He has friends in this, like Silk, who I think he does have common things in common with. Them. What about if you'd say that his best friend is Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> Those guys have nothing but in yeah, common other than yeah. their money. Did it, is it best friend with nothing in common or friend? I don't know, because we don't friend. have the scale of who they like the most, do we? We don't right, know who his best man was going to be at the wedding, do we? Okay, then I've just ticked it for Jerry Seinfeld, because no one, <laughs> no one has anything in common with that fucking man. I also didn't get sports team cap. I didn't get bald joke, even though there's quite a few bald men in this. I didn't get urine, which is crazy, considering I saw Cedric the Entertainer's full arse and jizz all over the bed. And I didn't get McDonald's. Whatever. I think not bad, considering that, like... <laughs> Sorry, that was such a big yawn. So. Not, not a bad day for the rock pool. So you got one question left to answer, Luke. Top five for film, top five. Is this film going to write a bad review about you under a pseudonym? And it's going to make you so angry that you throw beers at it so hard that it, go, it falls into the sand of the pit? I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. Or is this film going to have an incredibly successful relationship with a reality star that gets it prime time on Bravo, the TV channel Bravo? We haven't mentioned enough the TV channel Bravo. Have you seen the logo of the yeah, TV channel Bravo? Cool. Bravo, yeah. So yeah, it's going to Bravo its way into the sand of the castle. Um, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> you went a bit <laughs> off the rails. I thought you were having a fucking stroke. <laughs> Bravo. Uh, yeah, this is in the castle for me. I think that it, it does enough right that it, it definitely deserves a place there. I think it's a pretty good film. 
I'd say that I guess people should watch it. It's, it's pretty good. I didn't personally get anything massive from it. I think it's a pretty average good film, but watch it and see if you get anything. I think the lead performances are all really good, and I think characters are well written. I just kind of wish they'd gone harder with some of the scenes, or they just there was a couple of missed opportunities here and there, and the ending isn't great. Apparently, they've set this up for a sequel that's not ever been made. So uh, as it stands, it's fine but i wouldn't say this is in my top five films we've done for this podcast but it is still pretty good what about you i feel kind of the same to be honest as soon as it finished i was kind of indifferent to it sort of straight away i kind of feel like i don't think i'd even recommend people watch it to be honest it's definitely not a bad film i think for the most part i did quite like most of it and it had a a few good laughs and characters were interesting enough and whatever i think it was pretty well made i liked how it was shot and i like those longer scenes of them just the walk and talks and stuff it was it was kind of nice compared to some of our other films it was nice to spend this much time with characters just talking about about stuff but yeah at the same time I don't think I found it like massively entertaining or engrossing but enough that I liked it I liked it enough I didn't hate it the same way I've hated so many of these other films at all sounds like I'm I'm damn it with a so lot good. I didn't hate it <laughs> <laughs> it's just the it's going to be a thing ongoing is that the fact that we've let so much crap into the Santa Castle that any film like this is a well-made film like there's no I... denying it I think even if we'd done this like as our fifth episode, I think it'd still be in the castle. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's solid, isn't it? The problem I think with reviewing, and it's ironic because this film is actually about critics and all that, but everything critical has to be binary. It's either good or bad. This isn't either. It's fine. It's just in the middle, a six out of ten... Had some good bits, had some bad bits. It's fine. Yeah, um, I think that the, the good bits are enough, though, to elevate. Yeah. There's just enough strange situations. There's enough of a character that you're kind of engrossed to see what kind of happens with them. Or like, you know, he, he has enough problems that you're interested to see whether he'll get over them, if, if that alcohol issue is going to keep coming back and whatever. I, yeah. I think there's enough there, like the makings of solid, interesting characters that kind of feel real to, to an extent. Yeah, I feel like it definitely feels in a bit of a different league in that sense to a lot of the other things. It's nice that it's a bit more believable and whatever, even if it's not all-round entertaining. So, yeah, I think I agree. I'd say Castle, but definitely low down in the Castle. Okay. Because there's nothing that makes it stand out other than two scenes that are really gross. (laughs) I was going to say, we need more uh, of Cedric the Entertainer's arse. That was the one thing missing. (laughs) We needed more horrible sex scenes. So we've decided that this film's in the Santa Castle, but one of us wouldn't recommend it to people. And it's kind of got through on just the fact that it's not horrible, basically. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I've made a game that I kind of made before I started work. It took me about three minutes to make. Probably (laughs) not very good. It's basically a little trivia sort of game. I've called it the Sanders of Time. It's kind of like the Sands of Time, you know? It's a quiz all about time. I'm slowly slipping away. I look at my own little Zoom picture and I look at how fucking old and decrepit I look. All these lines that just won't leave my face. This big vein in my forehead, my receding hairline. So yeah, I feel. I digress. All right, it's just a couple of questions. It's quite quick. You just got to answer them. It's as simple as that. The first question: How many minutes have we spent in Hotel Transylvania? Oh my god. Right. Do I have to get it to the nearest whatever? I'm going to go with the nearest 15. The nearest 15? Not the nearest, nearest 10? Nearest quarter. Okay. A quarter of what? 15? A quarter of an hour. 15 minutes. Okay. Okay. That's fair. 
I'd say every single one is about 90 minutes, probably a little bit less. So that 90 minutes, so 90 minutes, 180 minutes, 270 minutes. And I'm going to get rid of 10 minutes. So I'm going to say 260 minutes. Oh, 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 no. Because we've got monster pets and we've got... Uh, he's, he's clicked. We've got monster pets and we've got that. And are we counting the full TV show? No, because we haven't watched it. <laughs> we haven't watched that. Uh, I watched about three minutes of it, so I'm going to add that on to 273 minutes. Okay, well, if I'm adding three minutes on for the series, because I didn't count that, even without adding that three minutes on, you're just off. It was 288 minutes originally. What? 291 with the three minutes of the series that you watched. We spent nearly 300 minutes in Hotel Transylvania. Can't wait to spend a couple more. (laughs) (laughs) I love that place. The teaser of our late checkout. (laughs) (laughs) What has been the longest film that we've watched and what is the runtime? The longest film we watched, I think, was... Hang on. I think it was maybe... I want to say Funny People, but I don't think it is. I think it might be Sandy Wexler. Let me have a quick thing. Maybe there was one that was like obscenely long. The one that we always say was long. We always say Sandy Wexler was long, and we always say that funny people was long. So I'm gonna go with Sandy Wexler. And do I have to say how long it was? Mm-hmm. Two hours twenty-five minutes. So it wasn't Sandy Wexler. <sighs> it was funny people. I think you should. Oh. If it's about a film being long, I think you're always safe to go with Judd Apatow, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I know. I thought that it was a trick question because we always say how long it was, but. Sandy Wexler was long. So you got the runtime just one minute off. It was two hours and 26 minutes. Sandy Wexler, yeah. I always think it was really long, but it was actually only, I think it was only two hours and five minutes. Was it? Yeah, not even that long. <laughs> it felt, that, I think I had to pause it like about five times. Yeah, it same. To <laughs> Give me three films that are under an hour and 40 minutes. Easy. Under an hour and 40 minutes. Eight Crazy Nights. Um, I think Zookeeper is very short. And what was that really short one we watched? Dirty Work. It was like a like an hour and ten minutes. It was like Dumbo. It was so short. Eight Crazy Nights was an hour and sixteen minutes long. That's barely yeah, a film. So short. So uh, short. There's episodes of TV shows that are longer than that. Dirty Work was an hour and twenty-two. I should have done this as an hour and twenty-five minutes. I was giving a lot of leeway. And Zookeeper was short. Hour and 42 minutes. <gasps> you're two minutes over. Oh, no, you've got it wrong. No, no, I think you're wrong because it said an hour and 42 online, but when we rented it, it was an hour and 30. Maybe this is an extended version. Don't give me that. Don't uh, give fuck me that off. nonsense. I'm, I am going to Google this. How long is Zookeeper? An hour and 52. It says <laughs> online. It's gone up. Every time someone says the word Zookeeper, it gets six minutes longer. An angel gets its wings. What the fuck? Yeah, is according going to on? Wikipedia, it's an hour and forty-three. See, I'm going by IMDb. Okay, well, according running time, one hundred and three minutes on on Wikipedia. Yeah, that's one more than IMDb. Are there so many versions of Zoom? There's so many. What is going on? There's probably one version where the singing animals goes on for about an hour. Fine, I'll accept the loss on that last one. Give me one more. Go on. Uh, I think probably shakes the clown. Shakes the clown was twelve minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> felt five hours long it was such Sh- a, shakes a the clown felt a little longer but yeah it was an hour and 27 so yeah you knew it you got one wrong but that's all right i didn't say there was a limit i just said name three films that are under it and you've named them so how long would it take to watch all six of the adam sandler led happy madison netflix films <laughs> right okay i'm gonna do a little bit of maths Sandy was two hours and, and ten minutes. Okay, Murder Mystery, I think, was about an hour and thirty. It was quite short. It was succinct. 
the do over couple of hours uh, that one wasn't it that was like an hour 40 i'm gonna guess okay uh six films these made ridiculous six i think was about 50 minutes long <laughs> no ridiculous six i'm gonna say an hour for 35 then we've got blended i think that was a bit longer i'm gonna say that was an hour 50 that's one two three four five what the fuck is the sixth one which ones have you said so far, sorry? Sandy Wexler, Murder Mystery, The Do-Over, Ridiculous Six, Blended. You have our, our favourite one, yeah. Hubert. Hubert, I think, was about... Uh, there's a lot of spooks, so I'm going to say an hour 45. So let me just quickly do this maths. So, current one. I'm going to say it is nine hours and ten minutes. <laughs> so it would take 11 hours and 12 minutes to watch it. I was way off. Six, <laughs> I the... 672 minutes. In total. So you got the films wrong. Blended wasn't a Netflix film. It was ridiculous. There's one that I can't remember either. It's probably in the fucking castle, knowing us. It's probably the best one. So obviously, Hubie Halloween, that was an hour and 42 minutes. Murder Mystery, hour and 37. Ah, this is why you forgot it. The week off. Oh, for fuck's sake. That was about three hours long itself. Hour and 56. Sandy Wexler, two hours, 10 minutes. Do over an hour and 48. Yeah. And then Ridiculous 6 was an hour and 59 minutes. Right, okay. That's where I went wrong. The year 1998. How many films was Adam Sandler in? I feel like I've asked this question before in one of our quizzes. Definitely have. I want to say The Wedding Singer came out that year, maybe. I think the film Bulletproof came out that year. (laughs) 1998. Little Nicky didn't. I came out in... 2000 I think so did Big Daddy Mr Deeds I think all came after so how many films or do you want me to name the films no just how many it doesn't matter which ones uh, I think three you're correct it was three it was and was Dirty Work Dirty Work yeah Dirty Work yes. Wedding Singer and Waterboy oh it's so close when, what year did Bulletproof come out like 96 I think oh. it was a bit earlier what year did Michael Newman have a heart attack and die out in the rain 2006 is when the film came out. I think it's set in 2006 as well. I think he travelled 30 years in the future. I think it's 2036. It's close. It was 2030, according to Timeline.com. <laughs> Timeline.com. Which two films are potentially set over the shortest amount of time? Hmm. This is an interesting one. Potentially, Click. Because Click is set, literally, he goes to a shop and falls asleep for a few hours. So I think Click is a contender. Don't take my answers yet. You say two films. We've got Grown Ups 2 over the space of 24 hours. Same as this film, which I reckon is like two days. Or a day. Is it a day or two days? The film we've just watched, I forgot the name of. Top 5. Was that a day? Feels like a lot for a day. Was it the course of a day? It was a busy days? day. It's a very, very <laughs> busy day. But I think that I don't I think that you think it's grown ups two and top five, but click is definitely shorter because it happens in like one nap uh, yeah, in reality. I think you're right about click. I I like that answer, but I feel like you do see 1946 at the end of World War II when Harry Winkler's born. Right, the end of World <laughs> War II right. was 1945. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, this is just the year after. Oh, <laughs> this is just after when everyone was celebrating. <laughs> was like conceived at the day. <laughs> we don't see that scene in the film, and even no. if we do, it was a dream. No, you I mean. see the making of Michael Newman, though, don't you? But yeah, you're right. It kind of is a dream or like a hallucination or alternate reality. Or... He goes yeah, to maybe, bed, bath and beyond. 
think it's just one evening, I suppose, really. Yeah. Just him being asleep in that room. What time period was Adam Sandler on Saturday Night Live? 1991 to 1995. See, I've got 19, 1990. This is I think it was December. I think it was December 18th, 1990. So it was like just at the end of 1990, actually. Maybe. Yeah, well, like the New Year's Eve special or something. Yeah, I think so. And I think he didn't really get any speaking parts until 91. He's in the background. Well, yeah, I've, background, I've gone with 1990. I like what you're saying, but <laughs> he's yeah, he was on two episodes in 1990, uncredited. Oh, still yeah. counts. Uh, I've not been tracking what you've been getting right and wrong anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Me neither. Me um, neither. <laughs> last but not least, how long to the second is Adam Sandler's cameo in Dirty Work? The first part where you hear his voice, and then the end of the scene that he's in. I've watched that YouTube video of it about seven hundred thousand times. I, I saw it was in our joint our joint YouTube channel. It yeah. was in the uh, the liked videos. Let me go through. I'll reenact it and then I'm gonna count it. Okay. Burn, burn, burn with me. Did eat the pig before we burn? What you talking about, Satan? Burn. Seventeen seconds. 28 seconds it was. Fuck. <laughs> I tried. More, there was a bit more room. There was a few reactions, a few faces of people reacting to the Satan, but close, but not really. We've gone on long enough about this film that neither of us are probably going to think too much about going I'm never going to talk about it again. <laughs> so if anyone wants to send us a bloody email, you can send it to thesandlerpit at gmail.com. And also we're on social media at thesandlerpit on Instagram and Twitter. And then we're also thesandlerpit on Facebook. Uh, where we're posting lots and lots of top five memes. Yeah, lots of Cedric's entertainment over there. Um, <laughs> Cedric's entertainment. <laughs> That's the store that he owns, I think. What are we doing next week, Luke? Next week on the Sound of Pit, we're going to be watching the film Coneheads. No, Airheads. Airheads. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to be watching Airheads. We're not watching Coneheads just yet. So, yeah, have you ever seen the film Airheads? I've not seen the film Airheads. I've seen a lot of pictures of Adam Sandler wearing either like a little grey cropped top or a very open, I think it's like an open denim vest. He looks interesting. Yeah, this has also got Steve Buscemi and Brendan Fraser, who I really like. Yeah, I'm quite excited about that, to be fair. I'm guessing you've not watched it either, right? No, I've not seen it, but I've I've seen like quite a few people say it's pretty good, but I'm reckoning it's going to be like Dirty Work and Chicks the Clown and leave at least one of us feeling cold. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird with those. Those films are ones where you can see the promise, but they're so rough around the edges. They're kind of hard to look at. I don't know what yeah. it is about it. Thank you very much to Joe Tyrone for doing all the music. Thank you to Luke Thomas for the lovely artwork. Thank you, Luke Terry, for doing all the editing of these episodes and all our trailers. So come back next week where we're going to be talking about Airheads. Until then, it's been a very happy rock buy from me and a very happy rock buy from him. Smart though your heart is breaking. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Yeah. Put a little stank on it. Stank?